From Live Consulting, this is Cannabis Business Minds with your hosts, Kristen Yoder and Simone Similuka Radzins. So, on today's show, we've got Steve Owens from Adherence Compliance who's going to talk to us about cannabis compliance. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Good to have you. We heard that you're in Pennsylvania right now? Uh, Yes, our company is in uh, Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Maryland, uh, Illinois, um, and then a few other markets, uh, Puerto Rico and Guam um, and things like that. So uh, we do serve a lot of clients in um, different markets. Yeah. I mean, I think we got too excited because we're like, what has he been working on? But we gave you seriously just the shortest intro ever about what you've done, how you got into the cannabis industry and all of that. So... Before we, you know, dive deep into kind of what your company does, can you walk us through kind of how you how you evolved into the cannabis industry and what got you started with Adherence Compliance? Sure. I was working um, in management consulting on a $25 million oil and gas uh, revenue and asset management project uh, for a company here in Denver, Colorado, um, and a friend who owns uh, a few dispensaries and cultivation centers. Uh, came to me with the regulations uh, one evening and said, what would you do with this? Um, And so I came up with a concept to uh, come up with codification libraries or compliance libraries for the federal, state, city, and county level, and then basically manage that through an integrated compliance platform. And so we partnered with Apple and Amazon um, to deliver our software. So I've been fortunate enough to use my background from companies like Oracle and AT&T um, and then utilize that experience in the cannabis space to build an enterprise compliant platform. Oh, wow. And, and just for our listeners, like what year is this? Uh, 2014. It was the beginning of 2014 when I first came up with the concept to um, identify risk. And at its core level, if I look at a dispensary license, cultivation license, a manufacturer license, a distributor license, um, I want to know what the operational risk is on that license, both from a regulatory perspective and a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. So from a regulatory perspective, uh, say here in Colorado, I would look at the Colorado regulatory environment, um, what they have at the state level. Uh, at the federal level, I already know that we need to be Department of Agriculture, OSHA, EPA, IRS compliant, um, and those agencies at that level. And then we also have a city and county component as well, because there can be uh, certificates of occupancy, uh, special use or land permits, um, things of that nature. And so the goal was to quantify risk, my operational risk, and to develop a score and standardize all businesses. So every medical dispensary in Colorado is evaluated with the same criteria. And then we're able to, with a standardized fashion, we're able to evaluate everybody effectively on a scale from zero to 100. And so in Colorado, I think our average score is about an 82 uh, percent, which is not great, um, but Colorado is also a, a very far developed market. No, absolutely. And just to elaborate a little bit on that, so you've developed this this library, and you're able to kind of solve the problem of kind of risk in the cannabis industry. But what does that mean when you're working with cannabis operators? When you're working with consultants like ourselves, like how do we all fit into you know the the solution with adherence compliance? Absolutely. Uh, so our software, uh, the Adherence Score app, which is um, on the Apple App Store, so a little plug there. Oh, but, cool, um, cool. Our software um, basically connects via, it's encrypted, our app 
our iPad app is encrypted. Um, and essentially, you would log in. And so you guys are in California. Yeah. Let's say you have California based in Los Angeles of 10 dispensaries and five cultivation centers. So you as a consulting business would log in. Um, you would have those clients loaded. Mm -hmm. uh, you would pull up the requirements for those clients based on the location. So if they're at 101 Main Street in Los Angeles City, Los Angeles County, um, we understand that when we enter in the license criteria, and then it pulls up all the requirements that you need for that license. And so you as a consultant, as an owner-operator, an attorney, a CPA, a government regulator, uh, can utilize our software to go through and evaluate um, one of these cannabis businesses, uh, our cannabis licenses, if you will, because um, at the end of the day, we're evaluating an operational cannabis license. Um, and then you're able to provide a criterion score. And so we say, say we score 85% on yeah. a medical dispensary in Los Angeles, California. We know we need to improve. We have some closure risk. It's, it's a low to medium closure risk if you score in the 80s. So with our software, um, which is available in all of these different markets, mm -hmm. um, we're basically able to uh, provide folks um, scores that are meaningful. And so as an example, uh, in Colorado, average scores for dispensaries around 82. If we go to California markets and what we're do seeing there and some of the early inspections we're doing, it's much lower. Like what? Uh, Washington is lower. What, like right. how? Because oh, yeah. we're in California, and we we completely agree. Yeah, we're very aware of the lack of oversight, operations, regulations, yeah, and, SOPs exactly. in California. And a lot of these guys are really trying to get there. So, just to give some comparison, in like this Colorado regulated market, you know, regulated for quite some time compared to us in California, where we're implementing now these standards of regulation. What's the what's the lower score in California compared to Colorado? Great question. So we're seeing 77, 76 oh, wow. uh, for dispensaries in the California market. And so what we've seen statistically, and we've done over 500 cannabis or licensed cannabis inspections. So with our software since 2014, we went into over um, 500 licensed operations, right? And one could be a multi-licensed cultivation operation. Um, so essentially we've went into these and we've statistically anal uh, analyzed risk. And we've captured all of this detail, um, notes and photos in our app. Um, to basically provide these reports. And what the reports are is actionable intelligence on how they can fix it. And so what we've seen in the market from doing these assessments in all of these different markets, and I call a market a state, so Washington's a market, California's mm -hmm. a market, Colorado's a market. Uh, when I look at this, uh, Washington and Colorado, because we had a quasi-unregulated market, as is the market evolved, uh, because the voters passed legislation before the city or counties and states could catch up to it, mm -hmm. uh, we see lower compliance scores. So in Washington, uh, California, Colorado, we see lower compliance scores on average, uh, 82 or lower, than a market like Illinois. Illinois is very compliant from the start. Uh, the average score is 97 wow. in Illinois for a medical dispensary. Uh, they're outstanding um, because they're highly regulated up front and they evolve from a different market. So in uh, California, Washington, Colorado, and markets like that, they've evolved from more of an enthusiast market, people that were delivering medicine to, um, you know, patient-caregiver relationships and things like that nature. In markets like Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania, Illinois, these are groups that had to be very well-funded at the beginning um, in order to obtain a license, you know, with putting money in escrow accounts and things of that nature. And so that's what we've seen. We know that Maryland will be a very strong market because they've developed um, some 400 pages, you know, over 400 pages when we released our compliance library for that market. Um, but we know that that will be a very strong uh, market just because of the way they're starting out. And we know that Colorado and Washington and California, uh, it's going to be much more difficult for them to 
achieve the type of scores that these other states are seeing and be overall compliant because they've started off in a a quasi-unregulated fashion. And they already had strong markets before all of this, whereas the East Coast and the Midwest, they're much newer with cannabis and and the amount of cannabis, yeah. yeah, the actual industry to deal with. And it's smart that they're taking lessons from all these other states that are struggling with it. And they're also much smaller. Mm-hmm. They are much smaller. Yeah. I'm curious. Right. So you, I mean, we're always about like, let's solve this problem, right? So we know that up already that California operators are going to have a little bit more trouble getting as compliant as, you know, an Illinois-based company, just based off of statistics that you've been able to see through, you know, the risk, the risk score. So... What can they do? Uh, what they can do is uh, California is going to be uh, even more complex than any other market because of the dual licensing mechanism. So you're going to have a license at the city or county level and then also at the state level. Uh, there's much more regulatory agencies involved. Uh, there's 17 different license types. Um, California is going to be a very complex market. And so what we see in these other markets, like Colorado's complex because of the the amount of regulatory code that we have and that we have to interpret and be compliant with as an operational business. California is going to be the same way, and they have many more state agencies that are going to be involved that have tentacles in the um, operations of these marijuana licenses. And so what these businesses can do is start now, um, absolutely now, with making sure they have compliant standard operating procedures, make sure that they have training programs in place uh, for compliance and also health and safety, and make sure they're signing off on everything. Um, as far as uh, making sure employees uh, are, you know, are trained and watching their OSHA videos, their Department of Agriculture videos, things of that nature. Uh, and then develop a proactive compliance plan because mm-hmm. um, if you're not compliant, it's going to cost you in the long run. And- um, the, co- the cost is dramatic, right? So these businesses here in Colorado, if they get caught with an inventory that they haven't reconciled, uh, for say a week, um, you know that could be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for fines um, if the MED chooses to uh, issue a fine or a violation for inventory. And when they do issue a fine or a violation for inventory, it's um, errors and omission. So that's yeah. one violation, and then you get another one for conduct. And so it's two for one. And so what I think these businesses don't understand in California is there's no yesterday. How you operated yesterday doesn't exist. You have to rethink your entire business from the ground up with compliance. Yep. You've got the, you've got the next six months to get in shape realistically, and so we're working with businesses in uh, and I, we don't mention names, but um, say San Jose and Oakland, um, and we're making sure that they're compliant right now on all of the available regulations that we have. Um, you know, for the medical side in California. Uh, right now for 2018 and so they want to be compliant as compliant as they can for 2018 by middle of summer early fall and then from there they focus on revenue um, and inventory and things of that nature and so compliance is a critical component that can cost you your license because at the end of the day it's a it's a privilege to sell cultivator manufacturer distribute marijuana and so if you don't, if you're not compliant, um, you're, you're running a risk. And if you're running a risk, what is that risk? What's the quantifiable measure of that risk? And that's what we, uh, as a software company, determine. And so we use our software to, we provide our software to CPA. Uh, we provide it to attorneys, um, state regulators. We're working with um, proposals in, call it in California right now. Uh, cities and counties need help. And yeah. so we have programs like our government agency program um, for regulatory authorities 
where we can offer them in-sourced or outsourced solutions. So this um, a city of X, if you will, uh, can choose to utilize our software and our training and, and, and launch a compliance program right away uh, from inception with their regulations inside our software and our compliance libraries. Or they can outsource it to us uh, an independent trusted third party and then we can do the compliance inspections on their behalf if they don't have the staff uh, and things of that nature to support their compliance programs and so those are the things that we're developing along with our cannabis banking program um, that are really kind of meeting the needs of the industry because at the end of the day every single stakeholder of a marijuana business uh, from the investor all the way to the banker to the regulator needs to understand what the score is what is the compliance score the risk level for these businesses 100 percent. and then yeah. yeah, no pun intended, but weed out the weak ones, right? Yeah. So. I know we, Kristen has a question, but I need to, like, step in really quick. I heard banking, cash management, solution, and this is something when people come consult, they're like, we need to know what banking options are out there. Talk to us about this solution that you kind of, um, that you mentioned a little bit. Can you give us um, some more insight on that? Uh, sure. So um, it's available on our website. We uh, I wrote a 11-page um white paper um, titled How to Bank a Marijuana Account, a Compliance Guide for Financial Institutions. Um, and I've developed a five-step process. I was lucky enough to work with some banks here in Colorado very early on um, as they've developed compliance programs. Cool. Um, and I've seen things done appropriately and correct, and I've seen things that um, are not correct. And if you think of a bank, how does a bank have to be compliant? They need to Satisfy Banking Secrecy Act, yep. um, anti-money laundering, yep. uh, FinCEN, yep. coal Everything memo. FinCEN, yep. It's a lot. It's a Absolutely. lot of compliance that they have to do just to even take these operators on. Right. And so what we see is um, the banks need to do their due diligence up front. Um, and then the onboarding and the screening application, the screening and application process, um, there's a, a bank here in Colorado that requires 40-some documents that you have to check off and provide as part of your application to go through that process because as part of Know Your Customer, I need to know the background on them, not only you and anybody uh, associated with the license, but all the investors. I want tax history uh, of three years, things of that nature. So it's almost like going through a mini application process again uh, when you're signing up for these banks. and. Uh, what we've seen so far is the, the smaller banks, the private banks, and the credit unions are the ones that are um, stepping in, and the larger banks that have uh, interstate payment network and rely more on federal um, and things of that nature are not stepping in. Um, and in certain areas of the country, um, I can't, I don't want to mention anyone specifically, but uh, the Federal Reserve will say no, no initiation SAR, which is a suspicious activity report at account inception to identify that, hello, this is a marijuana account. Um, and so they'll say no. If they see any of those come across, they'll automatically screen and shut those down. Um, but there'll be a Federal Reserve in a certain area, other area of the nation that um, is not as stringent and is letting those go through. And so it's, it's different from the way they're handled. Uh, but what we've done is develop this five-step program that we teach um, banks, and it's basically a 20-hour uh, immersive introduction to cannabis and cannabis compliance. Um, because can you take can you bank a business that's non-compliant inventory that has previous diversion? No, not unless it's been identified and reconciled. And so things of that nature need to be checked out in advance on these cannabis businesses to make sure that they are deep bankable um, and that they can get financial services. If the, if not, uh, they're better off working in cash or until a bank can handle that risk profile. Because at the end of the day, the, each cannabis account has a very high risk profile. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so it, yeah. 
Uh, well, to get back to compliance, and you had mentioned inventory, how how often do you find inventory issues um, with doing yeah. your compliance work? That's a great question. Um, so three out of four businesses that we inspect or licenses that we inspect uh, fail one or more inventory um, infractions. And so in Colorado, we have 30-some requirements for marijuana inventory, all the way from tracking and errors omission and uh, daily reconciliation, um, things like that. And in Colorado and most states, um, in, in tracking inventory, um, they can offer two violations or citations. Um, if you have inventory violations, one for errors and omissions, one for conduct. And what I see is very difficult. So here in Colorado, as an example, uh, which will be similar to Maryland, um, they're using, I have physical inventory, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm a manufacturer dispensary um, and I have uh, my point of sale or my inventory system, that might not be the same as my state mandated tracking system, right? Mm -hmm. So I could use in this hypothetical instance, I'm using physical inventory. I've got BioTrack to manage my uh, point of sale inventory. I'm using the metric platform to manage my state managed tracking system. And then I'm using QuickBooks to manage my accounting system. And so you're asking somebody to go in and manage four disparate inventory systems to make sure the accounting system has proper taxation. And any daily hiccups along the road in any of those four systems lead to problems. And as, as you have problems in inventory, you deviate further and further away from compliance. And so some businesses will walk into and will see that their their inventory is really off, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a matter of what is the state agency going to do on inventory? Are they tracking? Uh, are they using the inventory system for traceability or is it for enforcement? And so here in Colorado, um, it's not used for traceability. It's used for enforcement. So if they notice you have negative packages and things of that nature, um, they can fine and penalize you. Um, now, whether you correct that inventory uh, it just it just depends, but they can turn around and fine and penalize you again. If you have enough of these inventory red flags, then that's when they come in and do the deeper dive um, and then process violations. You'll have a show cause hearing. You have to go through that whole process. And it's very expensive. It's time-consuming. And a lot of these businesses haven't had good inventory since inception. And California is one market that hasn't. Yeah. Um, but that's a, so that's what you're looking at. Um, Would you say the, of all the different infractions that inventory is – the most common one that is out there or is that one of the major things they have to pay for when it comes to enforcement is all of those infractions um yeah so what we see is uh, statistically inventory is number one and then security and surveillance um and then it goes down the, the cycle if you will uh, we have a couple white papers that are available uh, that we share as well for top five lists. Here are the top five infractions for medical dispensaries. Oh, cool. Here are the top five infractions for cultivation centers. Um, and so we'll share things like that. Um, and so if you look at inventory, um, you have to look at the regulatory authority uh, for that market. Um, are they active? Do they have enough investigators? Um, and then what are they looking for? So here in Colorado, as an example, and I'm not trying to throw Colorado under the bus, but <laughs> we have about a, we have about 145 licenses per inspector. There's over 3,200 operational licenses here in Colorado. So we have quite a few operational licenses, more than any other market. Um, so we're the closest thing to what California will be very soon. Yeah. Um, but are there enough statewide inspectors? No. And can they catch up with these businesses and really inspect these businesses? No, yeah. because they're still using paper clipboards and, and buying file cabinets. 
And so until that stops and until they start using some automated platform like this where they stop spending so much time collecting data and they spend more time analyzing it and making their programs better, they're going to be caught in that loop. And they won't be able to catch up because they get cherry-picked, right? People want to take their great enforcement officers. And I think right. that's like com- that's so common, though. I think incredibly common for any business. We're so many people are like just chasing. Oh, I need to get this spreadsheet, or I need to get this, but they don't really analyze the data. And so funny to hear from a regulatory perspective. I guess you know that that challenge is there as and well. It's, it's important to get an inventory procedure and process in place while you're still small, because when you start to scale. It's you never have enough time to catch up, and then everyone you hire below you just it gets worse and worse. Yeah, you know, through each hire, right. unless you have it worked out. How many do you find that most of these businesses have like four different softwares they're using for, especially with manufactured products like QuickBooks, Metric, BioTrack. Or, or is it just that they're utilizing a POS system, the seed to sell tracking, like a biotrack metric, whatever, yeah. and then an accounting system? Like from your experience? Well, yeah, absolutely. So um, there are, if you can think about it, I have to make um, tax payments. And so if there's a, it depends on the market we're in, but let's just say there's a medical marijuana tax or you have an excise tax, um, something of that nature. And so I'm making an attack, uh, tax payment. Um, is my effective tax rate correct? Is the tax payment that I made from my accounting system uh, match what's in the state mandated tracking system, mm. right? A lot of times when they show up for one of these businesses, they'll say the inventory is incorrect in, the, in this state mandated tracking system because I'm not I'm not trying to point any fingers. And so the, the <laughs> client will say, but but my point of sale system is correct, and that's not the right thing to tell the regulators because at the end of the day, what can they look at? What is the low hanging fruit for a government regulator? It's pesticides because testing that that throws up a flag hey, do your job, and mm-hmm. they do it, um, right? That's the easiest thing for them to get, and that's why they're so vocal with it, because it shows them doing their job. And then inventory, right? And so if they have problems with inventory reconciliation, they see the normal red flags for inventory. So if I look at a cultivation center, um, I'm looking at the immature products or clones. They can only – they live or die. They either move on in into veg and flower and beyond, or they die or they get sold. And so if I look at each – um, stage of uh, the cannabis plant, and if it's in veg, I know I shouldn't have any system, any any veg plants in my inventory system that are more than two months old. I know I shouldn't have any um, tracking tags that are active for flour that are more than three or four months old. And so, if I know how to look at my inventory system, mm-hmm. and I look for you know uh, multiple adjustments in one day, fifteen or more adjustments in one day, throws off a red flag. Maybe yeah. it's time to throw an inspector in there. Um, and so that's what we two or three days of missing uploading inventory, because sometimes these inventory systems and again, they'll remain nameless, but you hit upload and it says upload successful. What was it? No, it wasn't. You have to go behind the scenes and verify that it was. Wow. And so you have to do yeah. trust and verify, which is an extra accounting process, um, because some of these state mandated that. tracking systems weren't meant to management wanna yeah. Be fair, yeah. So. yeah absolutely so i'm curious like we know it's costly to be in compliance like can you talk to us this is like kind of a two-part question talk to us everyone loves to hear a war story oh tell us something that you've heard that we will never do type of thing so i'm curious if you can kind of share something like hey this went wrong and this is kind of what it could have been you know, corrected and, and done right. And then I'm just, if you elaborate on that, and then I'm also just curious, 
of what are the ramifications of a, an infracture, right? And then likewise, if someone is to control that and you know mitigate that risk, what would a cannabis operator be seen in to spend in compliance? Do they need one person just to manage the system or does your, you know, your technology kind of help reduce headcount? We're all about making sure that, you know, everybody can kind of increase their bottom line as this industry is super expensive just to participate in. So if you could kind of share and elaborate on those two parts of the question. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, they shall remain nameless, but a business here in Colorado, um, was a medical business. Mm-hmm. And then they, when they were a medical business, it back in the day, it was very gray area on where your plants originated from. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to know that all your plants were tracked. And then now when we switched into the recreational environment in Colorado, which will be a similar thing in California, um, where did those plants come from? Where did they originate from? And so in Colorado, we need an origination transport manifest. I need an official record that said these plants came from someplace. And so that was the problem we have and the problem they're having in Nevada and things like that uh, back in the day. But um, And so this uh, business went out and, and, and purchased um, at random dispensaries a bunch of different strains and clones. And that's where they started their plant origination because that's what they did on the medical side. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did not do the transport manifest and, and properly manifest each one from a licensed establishment um, with a recreational purpose, purchased on a recreational license, which they were supposed to. And so if you can imagine, they built up this massive inventory. Uh, three months later, they were inspected. Um, the origination issue came up. They were unable to prove it. They basically got down to the bottom of the issue. A uh, half a million dollars in inventory had to be destroyed. Wow. Uh, during during this issue, uh, they found some marijuana plant, plant that was unidentified, right? So it didn't have a tag. When I walk into a, a building as an inspector and I see any marijuana, where does it live? Where's the tag that identifies this and where this lives? Because if I don't see a tag, if I don't see an identifier... Um, then it could be diversion. There could be issues like that. Where where does this marijuana live? Is it in your state-mandated tracking system or your inventory tracking system? Um, things of that nature. And so they ran into that problem. At the same time, uh, one of their hard drives filed, uh, fried with their security and surveillance at one of their dispensaries. Um, and so where do investigators go when they run into issues and problems? They go to the security and surveillance system. And so that's why it's number two on our list for the most occur, uh, frequency of occurrence on infractions or violations of security and surveillance. Because if you go to the security and surveillance system and it's not properly configured, then that's where they notice it. And so in Colorado, um, you're supposed to get a notification if you have a hard drive failure or a DVR failure. And if you have a DVR failure, it's a public safety issue. And so that's a violation. Uh, it's a violation of the show cause hearing. Wow. And so that process with inventory and um, the security and surveillance issue, uh, with the hard drive frying, the security and surveillance guy showed up to service all the cameras. When he got to the cultivation center, uh, he was working on the camera system. The camera system went out for an hour and a half while he was working on it. During that time period, the stars aligned in a, in a bad way, and an employee decided to be helpful and to start destroying marijuana product and plant and then taking it to the dumpster because it was all quarantined mm-hmm. and when you quarantine it has to physically stay there it has to be virtually uh, physically and virtually separated from all these other you know plants and things like that but his entire lot uh, or business was quarantined and so if you look at that process it was the stars aligning there as well and so all things said uh you know more than 15 violations um but with you know we were able to put in a very proactive plant um, in place, and it was a three-month um, suspension, and then they were allowed to come back, um, and now they're up and running. And so what we do now is um, I will physically go by this business, 
uh, to the various uh, locations and I inspect it and to make sure everything's okay. Um, so they've hired me as a third party inspector. And then they also would use our software internally so they can do their own internal compliance, right? Self-assessment. Yeah. And so that's what we can do for them. And then when we go and we review their SOPs, um, all of those things to make sure that they're um, as, as bulletproof as possible, because what do you want to do? You need to look 95% there in the first 20 minutes of inspection. If you don't and things are missing and the logs look terrible and the regulators can hit the low hanging fruit, that's when they roll up their sleeves and they look for more. And so that's one example of a client that, um, you know, all things told with the closure and everything else, um, close to a million dollars as far as an impact. Wow. Right. And a fairly well-run facility, but had an origination problem, like a problem with the DVR and then a problem with a helpful employee. And so that's what I try to teach, teach these license owners is that you've got four or 500 moving compliance points on this license and it's ebbing and flowing and you can't trust a, a Joe or a Mary to make sure you're sorted. You need an automated solution like ours where you can continually go in there and Absolutely. use the software to make sure you are compliant. Absolutely. I was going to ask what are three reasons you've been able to build such a strong brand and company, but just hearing you talk, you cover so many different aspects of compliance and hearing you mention the just those small details that can derail your entire company. Um, what would you say has helped you build a strong brand? I would say, you know, when you come down to it, every marijuana license owner needs our services. And it, it depends on what stage you're in. But if you're in the pre-application stage, like some clients in, in Pennsylvania, um, they would purchase our SOPs online, right? And we sell a very robust template online uh, that's also part of a service, a broader service where we provide implementation services as well. But we're not looking to charge a huge, massive amount up front. At the end of the day, we would love for you to utilize our software, download our software from the Apple store, uh, and then utilize that to do inspections. And our clients use our software to uh, not only do inspections and assessments, but they also do it as as a knowledge base and they use it for training. And so you can open up a section of labeling, packaging, and product safety, and in the half-hour staff meeting, review 25 questions so everybody's up to speed on what, what compliance is. Totally. When it comes to that, for product intake and things like that. And so one of the things we do is our clients let us know that we help them sleep better at night. Um, also, a more compliant business is a more valuable business. So if you look at valuation, um, if you're a non-compliant business I have to, and I'm going to purchase you, I have to come in and do I have to spend money on remediative action to improve the business. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, that's going to cost me money, and I want, I want a lower purchase price coming in. And so for some of these investors out there, I wouldn't buy a license unless I knew uh, what the compliance score was and what I had to do to correct or improve it. And then also, does it have any previous enforcement or disciplinary actions? Because if it does, those remain with the license. Um, and so we see a lot of that going on as well. But really every stakeholder, uh, long, long answer short, uh, is that they? I feel they need our services. At the yeah. end of the day, they need that what the risk is. But I, I want to elaborate on Kristen, Kristen's question. You are brilliant. Like you are, you know, you designed something. You came from management consulting. Like, what traits do you think it is that has been able to allow you and your team to, <laughs> besides the software, because always the product speaks for itself. But you're a leader. So, what are some traits um, that got you to where you are today? Um, honestly, I'm going to say it's repetition. Um, I've, um, I've inspected personally over 300 some licenses myself. 
And so um, with my background and experience in management consulting and in, in enterprise software implementations like Oracle and SAP and companies like that, um, a lot of what we do is problem solving every day. And so when I walk into a business, um, I'm able to see what they don't see, right? When you're inside the box, it's really hard to see what's going on. If I'm coming in outside and I've done 300 inspections with automated software, uh, on most of these businesses, I can really, in the first hour or so, uh, develop a plan for them to uh, proactively improve. And then, you know, given a couple hours going through and doing an inspection and corrective action, making sure that they have everything in place. And so I think it's the repetition of me being in this, and then all we do is compliance. That's it. We do regulatory and financial compliance um, for cannabis licenses, and we haven't really jumped into application support services and consulting and all of that. We're really trying to just stay on compliance. And at the end of the day, the true value of our business is the data. We're sitting on hundreds of thousands of data points on operational cannabis compliance. And we know statistically where they fail and how they fail. And so that is where the true value of our business really lies, and then we're using the software to collect as much compliance data as we can to improve as many of these operations as we can. That's incredibly smart, especially the data. Data is king and something relatively new to our industry. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to the speed round now um, to ask you a few quick questions. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Get pumped up. Okay, so if someone's just getting into the industry, what is something they should know? Run away. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> hey, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a little Monty Python joke for a Friday afternoon. But, I love um, it. So, um, obviously, I'm going to be biased and say compliance. If you're getting into the industry, um, what are you doing? If you're in ancillary businesses, uh, how, are you, how are you helping these businesses improve? Um, at a daily basis. Um, And then if you're a licensed operation, how are you improving daily for compliance? And then having the right tools in place, right? Sitting an employee down in the first two hours of their first day, they read things, they're taken around, they're shown shown things, and they're able to be successful. So um, I think um, start from that and then actually read the regulatory code. It's uh, it's very valuable to understand that these are the uh, rules of the road. Absolutely. All right, you're a very busy man. So what motivates you to keep on going? Um, there's so much more to do. Uh, we, we are not in every state that's out there. Uh, we have, uh, you know, opportunity to translate our software for Puerto Rico. We have opportunity in, in Canada and Australia. Um, I, my background, I have an international MBA. Um, and so I'm very interested in taking this software platform, which we already have Amazon, an Apple for distribution of our, you know, secure, compliant crypto platform. Um, it's completely scalable. Um, you know, so the way I built this and the way uh, we have everything in place, um, that's really what we're looking forward to is uh, taking this to the next level. And with that said, where do you see adherence compliance in a year from now? Um, I honestly think that um, our, our natural evolution right now is to be acquired um by a company that really kind of sees our value uh, and that is a great vehicle for us to expand our services. So um, because we have licensing revenue, we have services revenue from the software, we have compliance program revenue, um, standard operating procedure revenue, adherence training services revenue. That's one thing we didn't speak about, but we do a two-day intensive training course for cannabis compliance and you learn about statistics and where these businesses fail. And that's why it's so 
rich for some of these uh, folks to come in and take our uh, compliance training. And so we're really looking for a vehicle uh, to expand and take it to the next level. Um, and uh, I can't continue running everything forever. Um, there's only so much time in a day. Yeah, yeah, totally. Eighty yeah. twenty principle. And I know we actually have a ton of international listeners out there. So hopefully, you know, we'll put your contact info and link everything in the show notes on our website. But hopefully you'll be able to get contacted by some people because, as you mentioned, this is such an international business. Kristen was talking to somebody from South Africa. Yeah. Uh, they look like they're hopefully kind of moving forward at least to, to get something going. And there's just... I mean, the sky's our limit, and you're right, it, it's time. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank, yeah, thank, you, thank you so, so much. much for joining Cannabis Business Minds. So that was such an interesting discussion with Steve. I couldn't even believe what we learned. It I, made me feel really good to know that we have been completely on it. <laughs> like, we're so aware and in tune with these issues, and yeah. of the two issues... Inventory. I mean, it's so crazy. Like, inventory seems that people need to be paying attention to it. The fact that he said three out of four operators fail because they're not adhering to, like... In regulated states. In regulated states, into their inventory. And that's just going to be exponential if Californian like, operators don't get it right. And to start inventory practices... At the beginning, because yeah. when you get busier, you cannot catch up. It's it's a losing trying battle. To implement it, like yeah, and like trying to build a plane and fly it at the same time, right? Totally. <laughs> so we've got Jackie, who we're interviewing, yeah. on on our show next time. <laughs> <laughs> but she's here, and yeah. I, no, it's interesting to hear, give from your perspective. Uh, the listeners might be like, "What up?" But it's a very good teaser because you'll be the next episode they're going to listen to. Yeah. But so yes, that for sure, and, and then, then compliance is the number one barrier to entry, savior, and success. And the point is, really, compliance is the only cost you don't see on financial projections. Yet, it could be the most expensive investment you make in your company. If you don't do it right. Yes. Yes. Or just to keep up with compliance. It changes constantly. So yeah. you have to you have to have compliance a compliance officer, compliance software, whatever it is, compliance will save you or kill you. Absolutely. No, so that was like a great session. And yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for listening to Cannabis Business Minds. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, and we'll check you next week. Yeah, definitely subscribe so you catch the next episode with Jackie, who's who, on. <laughs> who you had just heard there for a second. All right, guys. Um, have a great day. Bye. Bye. Cannabis Business Minds is recorded by Simone Samaluka Radzins and Kristen Yoder. Produced and edited by Gustavo Bogach at East Venice Recording Studios. Podcast music is by Ketza. You can find more episodes of the show on our website, liv-consulting.com. And you can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.